every little thing that breaks your heart is welcome here. We'll make a space for it, give it its due time and praise for the wanting it represents, the longing for something more, some healing hope that remains not yet. We promise no magic, no making it all better, but offer only this circle of trust, this human community that remembers, though imperfectly, that sings and prays, though sometimes awkwardly. This gathering that loves, though not yet enough. We're still practicing after all, still learning, still in need of help and partners, still becoming able to receive all this beauty and all these gifts that we each bring. So come, let us worship together. These opening words written by Gretchen Haley, they welcome all those who've gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those who've gathered here in person in Kensington at Essex Church. Thanks to all who have joined us via Zoom from far and wide, including this morning our friends at Brighton Unitarians. It's really good to have you with us once again. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If it's your first time joining us this morning, you're especially welcome. We're glad to have you with us. Perhaps you might like to hang around for a chat, drop us an email to introduce yourself, perhaps come along to one of our small groups to get to know us a bit better. There'll be opportunities to join in as we go along, but they're invitations, not obligations. And if you're a regular here, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come. We've all got a part to play in keeping the show on the road, keeping faith with our Unitarian cause during these times of uncertainty. So whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, know that you are welcome with us just as you are this day. I hope each and every one of you find something of what you most need. Today's service is titled Back to School. It's the start of a new school year. For some, that means seeing if your uniform still fits, setting out your new pencil case. Do kids even use pencils these days? I'm not sure. For others, it means returning to campus or to online lectures and seminars. But this morning, we're going to take our cue from the saying, every day is a school day. And we'll be celebrating the joy of lifelong learning in all its forms. We'll be reflecting this hour on the many ways we can continue to learn throughout our lives. But before we go any further, let us take a moment to settle ourselves to be here now, to become fully present in this precious hour of peace, wherever we may be. We consecrate this time with our presence and intention. So you might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding. You might want to scrunch up your shoulders and let them go. You might want to take one conscious breath. And as we breathe out, let's try and release anything that's stopping us from being fully here. Any preoccupations or distractions we might be carrying, let's put them aside at least for an hour or so. I'm going to light our chalice flame now as we do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part.
we've gathered here in search of answers to life's questions. We've come in search of understanding, in search of community. We've come in search of hope and healing, in search of sanctuary. Let this be a place not only of searching, but of discovery. Let this place be a place of learning and also of deep wisdom. Let this be a place not only of meeting, but of true connection. And let this be a place where healing fosters giving and hope fosters service. This is our prayer. That here we may, may create a circle of love ever expanding, ever growing, as we seek to sense and know the very source of our being. So let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer and reflection. Now, these words are based on some by L. Annie Forster. You might want to adjust your position to get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. You might want to look at the chalice. There might be some posture which helps you to feel more prayerful. Whatever works for you, whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now and to be fully present with that which is within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our full attention to you, the light within and without. As we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the stillness and silence at the very centre of our being. Giver of all gifts and grace, we know that life is a precious treasure. Though we would appear at times to squander it, remember all those ways in which we do not. When we are happy, Accept our outpouring joy as gratitude for all opportunities, both accepted and ignored. When we are broken, accept our tears and anger as gratitude for feeling deeply, for our capacity to care. When we reach out to others, Accept our caring acts as gratitude for the gifts of conscience and compassion. When we choose solitude, accept our silence as gratitude for the depth of spirit we are seeking. When we act thoughtlessly, accept our mistakes as gratitude for the freedom we have in our lives. When we act foolishly, accept our careless lapses as gratitude for the lessons we have yet to learn. When we share our stories, accept the telling of our lives as gratitude for friendship, family, community and connection. And when we worship, accept our humble rituals and offerings as symbols of gratitude for all they mean to represent. 
spirit of thanksgiving, when we remember to give thanks for life and love, for knowledge and wisdom, for freedom to act and freedom from oppression, accept our omissions as unspoken gratitude for all the gifts still hidden within our trials, for the compassion that comes out of suffering, the growth we may gain through sorrow, the determination that emerges from disappointment, the healing from illness, and even for those losses that make way for new cycles of life and creation. In a few moments of shared stillness now, let us call to mind those people and situations who are on our hearts, particularly this morning, and take some time to hold them gently in loving kindness. And let us hold ourselves in loving kindness too, for each of us carries our own private burdens. Let us rest in self-compassion for a while as we ask silently for what we most need this day. And let us take a further moment to reflect on the week just gone in a spirit of gratitude. Let us notice and give thanks for those blessings, be they large or small, that have helped to lift our spirits this week. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well and to be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing. Our first hymn today is The Flame of Truth is Kindled. Uh, for those of you present at the church in person, the words are on your hymn sheet. And for those joining from home, they'll be up on your screen in just a moment for you to sing along. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer as we sing The Flame of Truth is Kindled.
to School Supplies by Vanessa Rush Southern. Adapted. The back to school supply section of any store draws me like a moth to a flame. I no longer need spiral bound notebooks or number two pencils or a new lunchbox. I'm not sure why I'm drawn to these things since my most recent academic endeavour is years in the past already, but I have a theory. For so many years standing in those aisles, I could believe that my past did not determine my present. For so many years standing in those aisles, the present was full of possibility. Entire worlds of knowledge and adolescent adventure, growth and change were possible in the year I was preparing for. Would I finally master Spanish? Learn I was a wizard physics? Fall in love with Dante? The one who wrote long ago, or the one sitting next to me in class? Perhaps I would come into my own that year, like some rare flower too long in the bud. At the beginning of the school year, everything seemed possible. Now that I'm older, there is the danger of losing that sense of possibility of thinking myself an old dog whose tricks might be modified around the edges but never really significantly changed. There is the danger that you and I start to think that it is practical to live into our limitations rather than press up against them. That we confuse resignation with maturity. That we give over wild rides of the mind or spirit to the young. But it is never advisable to hang up the knapsack of adventurous expectant living for long. Maybe that is why I like school supplies. Here is this world that says, in colours and crisp white paper, that all is new and all things are possible again. Postscript. A woman was seen in Ryman's last week. Her eyes settled on a marbled blue fountain pen. When asked why she bought it, the woman told the cashier she needed a river of ink to ride into the new year. He said, he didn't quite understand what she meant, but he'd seen this behaviour in this season in these aisles before. Thanks, Lucy. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. We're going to hear a poem to take us into the stillness today, courtesy of Anthony. It's called Lessons of Another Kind by Leslie Owen Wilson. Professor Emerita at the University of Wisconsin School of Education. This poem speaks of the life of the teacher, the nature of education itself, and how, if we pay attention, we will always find that there's more for us to learn. So Anthony will read the poem in a moment or two, and it will take us into three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And then we'll hear some familiar music from Sandra. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable, adjust your position if you need to, perhaps put down stuff, put your feet flat on the floor if it helps to ground and steady you, maybe close your eyes. And as we always say, the words and the music, they're just an invitation, just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Lessons of Another Kind by Leslie Owen Wilson. I came to teach to see what I could find inside my students' deeper selves. I came to try and open minds before they were seemed shut. 
I came to channel passages, hoping to connect hearts to heads and hands. I came to entreat, to coax ennobled thoughts, ideals and love of self and others. I thought that this must come from inside out, into the essence of their beings, into relationships as connections to words and deeds and pedagogic styles. I came to probe and sometimes poke, to make them think and laugh at small and narrowed views, for I wanted them to see with their own eyes beyond the limitations of closed perceptions into the beauty and pain of others' views. I came to teach, but learned instead that they had just as much to say to me. Their lessons were often raw, sometimes unformed and yet complex. I came to give and yet was given. For through their gifts, I saw anew that I must learn to guard against complacency, conclusions, and the allure of too soon ends. I came to grow unknowingly, to shed my false new scholar's skin and metamorphose into something new and strange, something far beyond the shadows of my old instructive self. I came to teach, but was changed in other ways and now remember that life is still a two-way street. These were lessons I needed to commit to memory again. Perhaps it is enough to say I came to teach, but learned instead.
The Astonishing Question by Barbara Road. The most important question anyone ever asked me, besides will you marry me, was asked by our First Minister the day after I had met with two unhappy and somewhat hostile members of the congregation who didn't like some of the decisions of the subcommittee I was chairing. He said, well, Barbara, what did you learn from that? The question startled me. In his place, I would have asked, how was it? Or how did it go? Meaning, was it terribly unpleasant? Or did it turn out the way you hoped it would? Or even, I blush to admit, did you win? His question helped me recognize that there are more profitable ways of looking at my experience than evaluating it in terms of pleasure or pain, or how well it conformed to the scenario I had written in my head. I began in the following months and years to ask myself more frequently, how did this experience change me and the world around me? What did this experience tell me about the nature of reality? I began to find that my life suffered unless I maintained the balance of action and contemplation. I found it difficult to possess my experience unless I took time to reflect upon it. I have become addicted to keeping a journal. Although my journal often contains a factual account of an experience or expresses the myriad of feelings that accompany that experience, more often I use the journal to search for the meaning within the experience, to understand what the experience says to the rest of my life. Little by little, I am learning that it is not I am learning that it is not enough merely to taste life to see if it is sweet or bitter. One must discover the nourishing kernel of truth within one's experience and make it part of one's self. Thanks, Brian. So it's that time of year again. Even if you're not personally going back to school this week, even if no one in your house is gearing up to return and there's been no last minute dash to buy a new school uniform, there's still a certain back to school feeling that descends on many of us this time of year. Perhaps like Vanessa Rush Southern in that reading that Lucy gave for us earlier, You've been minding your own business in Tesco or WH Smith when under the influence of a back to school display, you've suddenly become overcome by a pressing urge to get yourself a new pencil case or lunchbox. These sort of rituals which mark the start of a new school year, they suggest, as Vanessa Ruff Southern said, that all is new and all things are possible again. For most of us gathered here this morning, our school days are far behind us. 
at least in the sense of being students on the receiving end of compulsory full-time education. I know we've got a number of teachers in our wider congregation and ex-teachers. I also know some of us are perpetual students who can't resist going back for one more course and one more course because there's always more to learn. And that's something we're affirming in this morning's service. Our learning is never done. We learn in all manner of different ways over the course of a lifetime. And a commitment to lifelong learning is something worth celebrating today. As Krishnamurti said, there is no end to education. It's not that you read a book, pass an examination and finish with education. The whole of life from the moment you're born to the moment you die is a process of learning. Words from Krishnamurti. And if you're here, they're on the front of your order of service. And if you're at home, you can find them on the church website, along with the rest of the text of today's service. Unitarians have always tended to be people who value education highly. When our non-conformist forebears were excluded from higher education on the basis of their faith 250 years ago, you had to subscribe to the 39 articles of the Church of England if you wanted to graduate from the likes of Oxford or Cambridge. So Unitarians helped to set up dissenting academies where radical thinkers took in those who could not in good conscience profess to believe in things that they didn't think were true, and they educated them to university level. Additionally, our Unitarian forebears advocated for education of women and girls, so it's always been important to us. And often when we think about learning about education, we think about it in terms of institutions, schools and colleges and universities. And I did give the service today the title Back to School after all. But I wonder what the word school even evokes in you. Juliet alluded to this earlier. Maybe the school days were the best days of your life. Maybe they were a bit more of a mixed bag. Maybe it was a downright traumatic experience. I know that's the case for many. I'd put myself in the mixed bag category. I loved to learn. Academic type learning suited me pretty well. But rubbing along with other kids who didn't love school had its challenging moments. However, weirdly, before I'd even left primary school, this idea of lifelong learning had caught my imagination. Once a year, and I think this would be in the mid 80s, say 1985, the council would pop a fairly weighty brochure through our letterbox. It would detail all the courses available in night school in Tower Hamlets and possibly also in neighbouring boroughs. Oh, poring over the pages of this brochure was right up there with studying the Argos catalogue and picking out my Christmas list. It's the smorgasbord of possibilities for adult education back in the 80s was quite phenomenal. And I used to dream of working my way through all the options one day. Would I sign up for woodwork or pottery, jazz guitar or sign language? Me and my mum did sign up for the pottery class together when I was 10 and some of the results of that year are still in our front room. My dad signed up for the woodwork class and then he built his own shed and our outhouse. So I would say that's a big win for adult education. These sort of accessible self-improvement classes were life-changing for a lot of people. But within a year or two, of course, government cuts meant the range of courses began to shrink. Many adult education centres were downsized or closed altogether. And I never had a big brochure to get excited about again. That was and is a crying shame. Anything that curtails access to education, anything which makes it a privilege only for the rich, anything which saddles people with lifelong debt, surely that is to be vigorously resisted. Still, there are many different ways to learn. 
and arguably only a small proportion of our learning happens in classrooms. In our earliest years, we learn less formally from family and caregivers. We pick stuff up from the world around us, from the TV. If like me, you grew up in a family that was big on TV quiz shows, you probably committed the capital of Burkina Faso to memory from an early age. And this sort of rote learning of facts has its place, especially if you want to try your luck on who wants to be a millionaire. But there's so much more to learning than just memorizing stuff. We learn practical skills by watching others and copying them. We might learn how to make pastry or jam or jumpers from following our nan around as a child. We might pick up the know-how for car or bike maintenance while hanging out with an older relative in a garage on a weekend while they're tinkering. Maybe you're a lifelong bookworm instead. Many of us here are voracious readers, I know, or latterly audiobook listeners. Our heart and soul regulars on a Sunday night are always swapping tips for the latest audiobook. And these days, the internet has opened up a whole world of information to us, including access to many educational resources that would previously only have been available to a few. These days, if I can't call a certain fact to mind or I don't know how to fix something technical, my first port of call is to ask Google. More often than not, Wikipedia will sort me out or a discussion group will point me in the right direction or someone will have created a handy YouTube tutorial to lead me through a process step by step. Now, of course, internet learning has to come with a health warning of sorts, as along with this great democratization comes the lack of any pre-filtering, the lack of any guarantee of accuracy or uh, independence of the sort that you might assume, whether rightly or wrongly, when learning from a more traditional source or institution. The internet is a wonderful resource, and at the same time, we must always use a bit of discernment question the accuracy and the agenda of anything we encounter and be alert to manipulation and misinformation. In truth, the same goes for any source of learning, but perhaps both the risks and the rewards are somewhat amplified in the online sphere. Another hugely important way in which we learn, and Nikaila mentioned this, is from personal experience. Sometimes you might hear people joke that they've been to the University of Life or the School of Hard Knocks. It seems to me that such things are often said, maybe usually said, with the intention of disparaging academic learning and implying that book learning has no real value or relevance in the real world. But surely learning from books and learning from life are both valuable and complementary. That reading from Barbara Roder, which Brian just gave for us, that suggests that when we have a noteworthy experience in life of any sort, it might be a negative or positive feeling experience to us. Either way, the suggestion is that we should ask ourselves, what did you learn from that? Or how did that change my experience of reality? We can also learn from the experience of others. And that learning can be especially rich if we mix with people who's got different ages of backgrounds, people whose life experiences are different from our own. And again, the internet comes into its own here because it enables us to seek out other voices, to seek out people whose paths we might never cross in our ordinary lives, and to listen and learn about life from a different perspective through their testimonies. All these forms of learning, and doubtless many others I've not made reference to this morning, they are vital. We reach out and grab opportunities to learn however they present themselves to us throughout the course of our lives. 
And it's important to remember that we generally learn in a way that's appropriate to our age and our stage of development. At first, we might be presented with a simplified way of understanding things. And over time, our understanding will gradually become more sophisticated as greater nuance and complexity is introduced into the picture. It's generally an error, I reckon, to get too attached to what we were taught in an earlier stage of development. If we don't remain open to revising, refining and rethinking, we can get stuck. And it's important to keep our knowledge and understanding up to date. Scientific understanding in particular is being refined all the time. So, for example, it's perhaps more important to comprehend the scientific method or to be statistically literate in order to interpret ambiguous data and news stories rather than particularly uh, rather than specifically memorizing equations or holding tight to facts that we were taught 40 years ago, but which have been surpassed by more recent insights. Or in another domain, our understanding of history is being reassessed as we slowly become more aware of the privileged lenses that history has often been taught through and the voices and perspectives that have long been suppressed or distorted are at long last coming to light. Because sometimes it's important to be able to unlearn and let go of what we thought we knew in order to adapt to a rapidly changing world. Maybe some of our prior understanding was mistaken or distorted or an oversimplification of a far more nuanced and complex reality. Some, perhaps a lot of what we learned is good and trustworthy and truthful. Some, perhaps not so much. And we need to discern which is which. We might think of that process of discernment as the spiritual dimension of learning. It's something we practice here together at church. We pride ourselves on drawing on, drawing on wisdom from many, many surf, surf sources, drawing on many diverse voices and traditions. But we also attempt to be discerning and critical and discriminating in the positive sense of that word as we attempt to sort the wheat from the chaff. We hold up new sources against what we already trust to be true. We measure them against our personal experiences and we check for coherence and congruence with our dearly held values and principles. And I know many of you are engaged in the same sort of search in your own individual spiritual journeys, seeking truth and understanding, cultivating virtue, discernment and wisdom, doing the work. We're changed by what we learn. It becomes part of us. It shapes our very way of seeing and being in this world. Learning is a lifelong process, and if we're doing it right, over time we will come to integrate what we've learned from so many different sources along the way, and perhaps we'll pass the learning onward too. So as I bring this to a close, I just want to return to those words by Leslie Owen Wilson, which Anthony read for us for the meditation, just a few abridged fragments. It's written from the teacher's point of view, but as she says, I came to teach, but was changed in other ways. And now remember that life is still a two way street. It reminds us how transformative the process of both learning and teaching can be. She wrote, I came to teach, to see what I could find inside my deep students, deeper selves. I came to try and open minds. I came hoping to connect hearts to heads and hands. I came to entreat, to coax ennobled thoughts, ideals and love of self and others. I came to probe and sometimes poke, to make them think, 
and laugh at small and narrowed views. So in that spirit, may we remain ever open and receptive to opportunities for learning wherever they come from. And may it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. One more hymn. Our last hymn today is Praise the Source of Faith and Learning. Pretty self-explanatory. We're going to be singing it to a well-known and stirring tune, courtesy of Beethoven. Uh, once again, the words are on your hymn sheet and they will be up on your screen. Uh, let's sing. Praise the Source of Faith and Learning. got a fair number of announcements today many of which are back on on the back of your order of service or on the friday email if you're at home 
Thanks to Ramona for tech hosting all on her own today for the first time. Didn't you do well? Thanks to Rachel for co-hosting at home. To Lucy, Anthony and Brian for reading. Thanks to Sandra for playing for us. Um, for those of you who are in person, Marianne's going to be serving coffee, tea and biscuits in the hall after the service. Um, if you want to stay for, for refreshments, thanks Marianne. Thanks to Liz for greeting today. But we are actually looking for more people to help out with the greeting and the tea and coffee. So please speak to Liz or Marianne if you able to help and volunteer in the weeks ahead for those who are on zoom today there'll be a virtual coffee time hosted by rachel after the service so do stay around and have a chat we've got various small group activities going on during the week for you to meet up coffee morning online at half 10 on wednesday morning there's still spaces left for heart and soul tonight or friday at seven o'clock that's our contemplative spiritual gathering that this week is on the theme of healing the in-person poetry group will be meeting this Wednesday at seven o'clock. So do sign up with David Carter uh, and send him your poems ahead of time by email so we can bring a print out for people to follow along. We've got an important conversation happening this Thursday evening on Zoom. I've not sent the link out yet. I'll do it on Wednesday. Uh, this is a congregational conversation to explore ideas about how we can actively cultivate ongoing connections between differing groups in our community now that we're doing fully hybrid services every week. Specifically, this is about how we can make sure that people who can only attend online and people who primarily attend in person continue to be in relationship and interact on a regular basis and feel like one united congregation. We want to give that some attention. We don't want either group to feel like second class citizens, and that's going to take a bit of work. There are various opportunities and options for uh, initiatives and programs we might set up. So we'd like to hear from people about what they would be most likely to engage with in order to target our limited resources and energy in the ways that would be most fruitful. Uh, if you're in touch with anyone who doesn't do Zoom, please let them know about this. Um, it would be possible for us to do a watch party at church so that people who haven't got a computer or internet could join in that meeting from the church. Uh, but I would need to know in the next day or so to set that up. So do let me know. Um, yeah, I hope to see many of you at that meeting on Thursday evening. This come Thursday on Zoom at seven o'clock and, and I will send around an email probably on Wednesday with a reminder and the link. It's just that if anyone wants to actually physically come to church, I've not set anyone up to facilitate that yet. So I'd need to know about that sooner rather than later. Next Sunday service is a gathering in the waters. This is a simple ritual of ingathering at summer's end. People have been gallivanting over the summer. We symbolically enact coming together again through bringing water to church and pouring it into a common bowl. You absolutely can join in from home. Please have your water and something to pour it into to hand. And as you pour it at home, we'll pour one for you here. We're gathering as one community wherever we are. And the congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch and look out for each other. Let's do what we can to nurture supportive connections. Just our closing words and closing music now. I send you out now to share yourself with the world once again. May its promise and complexity set your mind ablaze. May you hold fast to what your life has taught you. May you seek truth and question everything. And when you've changed the world and the world has changed you, may you return again to this place and share what you have learned with us. May it be so for the greater good of all. Amen.